0: This is the country of Haiti. This is in the city called Fort Liberté. Absolutely devastated country. Remember, like several years ago, a giant earthquake came through and just demolished it. Now, to give you kind of backstory in Haiti, every time something bad happens to Haiti, whether it be a hurricane or to be an earthquake, what they do, they call in the UN or they call in FEMA or they call in the United States and say, hey, would you come help us? Pretty nice thing to ask for. So we always do. We always jump right in there and help them. And then finally they go, you know what? I think we got it. We we got got it under control. You all can just you all can go back to your own thing now. And then all of a sudden another massive thing happens, and they're like, hey hey hey, can y'all can y'all come back? Whether we went from hurricane to civil war to earthquake to another hurricane, all in about eight years, and every single time they kept saying, hey come back come back come back. Well, there was a group called Friends of Fort Liberty who go down there. They've been going down for about thirty years, and I got to join them. This is our mission team. That's me. This is one of the funniest things that's ever happened to me in my life, okay? Yes, go Hurt. So in this moment, we slept in the Fort Lauderdale airport. It's awful. That floor hurt. But we sat right there, and you can't see in the picture. And I didn't want to put the picture because I, I felt like I was making fun of him, and I kind of am, but it's just, it's, it's, not, it's just an observation of something that happened that night. That night. This guy walks in, and I don't really don't know how to... Describe how he was dressed, other than saying, like, adults, you remember, like, Starskin Hutch? Remember a Huggy Bear? Like, have you seen that movie? Like, I, I don't want to call him a pimp, but, like, this the big broad hat and, like, the big orange blazer. Like, he had an orange, full orange suit and an orange hat and a scarf over top. He didn't speak a word of English, and he had a guy, like, walking him through the airport, like, t- translating for him. And then the guy behind him, Checked in his luggage. Well, his luggage was a little noisy. He was checking in three live chickens as luggage. And I'm going to be honest with you. Ten days later, he came back on the same flight. Those chickens were not with him. I don't know what happened. Dave said it. We're all pretty convinced. They were used as a sacrifice later that evening. Because when we got there, you hear the drums in the distance. The whites were in town. The voodoo priests were letting all the people in the know. The whites were here. This is such a fun trip. But the best part, before I get to that part, right after this, the lady who is checking in, like, she takes our luggage, she puts it over here, she comes back, takes our ticket, she walks out to the plane. But before she gave us her ticket, she says, all right, I have your tickets over here. If you want to get your tickets, step to the right. If you have any bombs, explosive, or any kind of firearm, please step to the left. So I'm like, now who's going to step to the left? <laughs> who's going to do that? What kind of moron is going to do it? No one stepped to the left. But we get on the plane, we go to Haiti, hey, go to the next picture. We were going down there for, a different, we were going down there for a, three different things. First one was a medical trip, and I found myself later in the week, this is a long story we'll go into it another time, I was actually in the clinic myself because of problems down there. But it's not funny. <laughs> we had this clinic that they started several years ago, and the people would come in, they'd get different kinds of uh, testing, whether it be through diabetes or through HIV, different blood work, um, Bringing little infants. I mean, this is like the only chance once a year where someone could get medical care, was when, that they, when, it, when we came down here. The second picture, these three boys, they had a child sponsorship program. You've heard of stuff like World Vision, you've heard of Compassion International, where you can like sponsor ch- children. Katie and I sponsor two children um, overseas. And they have their own program. Well, once a year, they get all the kids in town together, hundreds of them. I mean, they're everywhere. And they come through, and they dress as nice as they can. This is picture day. They come in and do pictures. They take pictures of them. They update their profiles. They update their height. They update, update their weight, their, their family status. Is your mom and dad still alive? Are you in school? How are you doing in school? Because they want to send back reports to those who are sponsoring them. And just just bizarre to me, the kid on the right, I don't remember his name, I saw three years' worth of pictures. He's wearing the exact same thing in every single picture. Like, that was his picture day outfit next picture the other job was was not fun uh, we were building an orphanage and we got there in time to build the second floor we were pouring concrete all that rebar sticking up we had to bend it uh, cut it and put concrete on the second floor That's just why I ended up in the clinic I got severely dehydrated absolutely terrible it's awful do I have another picture oh keep it on this one for a while I'll come back to this one, the first night we get down there, we're having this meeting with the pastor and with uh, the pastor's wife, and they're all wanting to know, like, hey, why are you guys here? Like, we know why, Allie, why we partner with you all on the mission team, but we want to know why are you guys specifically here? It'd be like me saying, Hudson, why are you here tonight? Like, you'd give me a response, probably because you wanted to have meatballs, and you, you did, right? Or is it because you wanted to hang out with me? Oh, shucks. Um... But we're going around the room and people are giving like the typical answer like, you know, uh, I just felt like God wanted me to be here, right? Or he had someone say, well, I felt like I've, I've been given so much in my life, it feels like it's an opportunity to give back. Or I've never been overseas before and I've been hearing about what Friends of Fort Liberty is doing. I wanted to join in. And then something happened. This actually started off my night, on a, my trip on a terrible note. A man named Bob, God loved Bob. He said... I, quote, I just wanted to make sure my money wasn't going down the drain. I was livid. Everyone in the room was livid. But what do you say? You just sit there and stare at them. You know, I'm the one who gets, seven years ago, listen, I've developed a big filter in seven years, but my facial expressions would just shoot daggers at you, like, I'm just like, I'm like, you're dead to me, right? I'm sitting across the room like, Bob, you and I are going to go at this. You might be 75 years old, I might be 21, but I can take you and I'll take you quick, that's what's going through my head. Are you seriously saying I'm only here because I want to see if my money's going down the drain? I want to know if my investment is worth it. I was dumbfounded by this. The rest of the week, Bob and I didn't get along, believe it or not. <laughs> Bob, I don't really know what he was doing most of the time. He was kind of just around. I was on the construction site or helping with the child sponsorship stuff. Um, Bob was in this room playing Bejeweled on his iPad most of the time. And I'm just like... Are- are you seriously wondering if this was worth it? Are you seriously wondering is your money just going down the drain? And I will say, and Katie reminded me to say this, and as bitter as I was and sounds like I still am, I'm not, but he ended up having a life-changing moment down there. His life was changed in 10 days. His eyes were opened up. But that idea, is it worth it, has stuck with me for seven years. Because in my mind, I look at that picture Her name is And I asked myself, was it worth it? Yes. That little girl has a sponsor. This was Sunday morning during church. She just like was stuck to me like glue. She came over and sat down next to me. I don't speak a lick of Creole or French. I speak a little bit of Spanish. That doesn't help you when they speak French. And she came over and sat right down next to me for a two and a half hour church service. Just saying, Brett was not that long winded today. Two and a half hours, and I got to bond with her. She was an awesome little kid. And I'm sitting there going, are you seriously going to ask, is it worth it? But if we're honest, I think that's a question that we ask a lot. If we continue in the series that we've been doing, we ask the question, is it worth it? So let's bring up Amos chapter 5, which is what we've been reading through every week. I want to read this each week as we wrap up this series together. 21, I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects. Keep going. Is that on there? Oh, your pretentious slogans and your goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations, and your image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice. I want oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. See, we, the last few weeks, if you've not been here, we've been talking about what injustice in the world looks like and how do we as Christians respond to injustice. How do we look at it in the world? How do we examine what it is? How do we identify what injustice is and what's, what do we do? Well, the first question we asked, after I laid off a bunch of statistics for you guys, the first question I asked was, do you even care? Because I remember... If, Four weeks ago, I said the biggest injustice in the world, even though we have all these issues going on, the biggest one is that we seem not to care. We, kind of looks like we don't care. We don't care. We don't do anything about it, so apparently we don't care. The second question we asked is, are you hiding behind the veil of your religion? Remember in Amos chapter 5, these people were very religious. They were pursuing their righteousness. They were pursuing holiness, but yet they were ignoring the oppressed. And they may actually were actually oppressing the oppressed. So it doesn't matter how religious you think you are, if you're just hiding behind that while ignoring it, are you actually as faithful as you think? Third question, do you see people the way Jesus does? Do you see them like Jesus does? Do you see them as a son or daughter of God? The fourth question, do you love them the way Jesus does? Well, this week i want to ask the question that i started off with, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is the fight worth it? Is the money that we send worth it? Is the debate worth it? Is the offerings that we collect worth it? Is the $519 that we collected two weeks ago, is it worth it? Are overseas mission trips worth it? Was my trip to Haiti, South Africa, Hungary, different places I've been able to go, was it worth it? Are the community outreach projects that we do, are the Love Does lunches that we do, are they worth it? See, I believe in many in the churches today will ask this question, but let's examine this where we deemed, let's examine where we deemed injustice. I'm going to actually come back to the statistics we first started off with a few weeks ago. I want you to ask this question in your mind. Is it worth it? Is it worth the fight to prevent 1,000 children who will die in the next hour of hunger? Is it worth the fight that there's 736 million people living under $1.90 a day right now? Is it worth it that 2 billion people are drinking water that's contaminated with fecal matter? It's poop for you. I don't know what that is. Is it worth it? Is it worth the fight or the investment that that 2.3 billion people have no basic sanitation, no toilets? Is it worth the fight... Now there's 750 million people considered illiterate right now. Is it worth fighting for the 132 children under the age of five who will die in the next hour from preventable diseases? Is it worth the fight for every man and woman who have been subjected to domestic violence or sexual abuse or rape, stalking, or physical violence? Is it worth fighting for the 1,800 people 1,800 people who will attempt suicide in the next hour. Is it worth fighting for the 90 people who will be successful in that? Is it worth it? Fighting for racial equality in this world, not just blacks and whites, but all across this globe. Is it worth fighting for the 80 babies that will be aborted in the next hour? Is it worth fighting for the 40 million People who are currently enslaved right now, is it worth fighting for the 1% who will ever get rescued? Is it worth it that 3.14 billion people have never been reached with the gospel? Is it worth it? You might quickly say, it's totally worth it, right? It's worth the fight, it's worth the debate, it's worth the arguments, it's worth the effort, it's worth the time. But, if we really view these things as being worth it, should our lives reflect that? Should our lives reflect that these things are worth the fight? Because if we care then we refuse to hide behind our religion. If we refuse to hide behind our religion, we will then begin to see people the way Jesus does. If we begin to see people the way Jesus does, they will then love them like Jesus does. And if we then love them like Jesus does, we will now view it as worth it. We will view it as worth it. But so often we don't. And here's why, one of the main reasons why, is that as I read statistics, those are just stats, right? Right? Just stats, just numbers. Don't mean anything until you put something with it. We need, to see people to, we need to see these people as people, not statistics. So, with that, let me share a couple of stories with you. A story about a girl named Marge, who found herself being asked to come into a room take pictures of herself. And shortly after taking pictures of herself, she was now in control of the man who asked for the pictures, and she was now being trafficked around the Internet for someone's pleasure. For years, she was being abused physically, sexually, mentally, emotionally as a victim. But she was rescued. Marge was rescued. Now she lives fighting for women just like herself. She She no longer lives as a victim. She lives as a victor. Was Marge worth it? Or a girl named Thayama and her husband Devendran—probably not saying those right—but who took out a loan? Listen, who took out a loan for fifteen dollars? Fifteen dollars took out—that's what you go spend an outback. Fifteen dollars to pay for their five-month-old, five-month-old who has severe health issues. would have covered it. They took out a small loan for $15, and next thing you know, they were in slave labor for years, cutting wood all day long. Meanwhile, taking care of their five-month-old child. But they've also been rescued. Squads came through, raided the place, arrested the master. Were Thyama and Devendrin worth it? Or a boy named Coffee, who at eight years old was approached by a gentleman and says, I promise a great education for you. Everything in this world that you live in kind of is pretty poor. There's no future here. I promise you a future. I promise you an education. So why don't you come with me and I'll give you this education. I'll give you this hope. I'll give you prosperity. And you'll have blessings. Now, let's be honest. For the most part, it's easy to see why someone would jump at that, right? They jumped right on it. Next day, he wakes himself up, and he's now on a fishing boat as a slave. That's not what he was promised. But after years of serving on this fishing boat, two years to be exact, he was freed from a rescue mission. Was coffee worth it? Was he worth it? Was he worth the fight? Is it worth it to hear the stories like these of rescue? Is it worth hearing stories of redemption? Is it worth it to hear stories of restoration? Is it worth it to hear stories of justice? Well, if you're sitting on the fence and you can't answer this simple question, let me ask you one simple question. Are you worth it? Are you worth it? Are you worth someone fighting for you? Are you worth someone raising you? Are you worth someone feeding you? Are you worth someone teaching you? Are you worth someone providing your meals? Are you worth someone feeding into your life? Are you worth someone coming to you and having the hope of speaking Jesus into your life? Are you worth it? People ask me a lot as a youth pastor, is your job worth it? I've actually had that question a lot. I first had, I remember telling you last week about a guy named Nima. Who I, who I spoke was from Iran. And he, and Nima one time said to me, Scott, I feel like you're wasting your time. Oh, ouch. Why, how am I wasting my time? He says, I think you'd probably do better if you went to school, just focused on your education, then you focus on getting your master's degree, then you focus on getting your doctorate degree, then you become famous, which the American dream, I'm going to become famous, be a world-renowned speaker when I can finally speak to millions at once. I remember looking at Nima and saying, how many lives would I miss in the nine years probably that, that would take, according to your idea of the American dream. It'd be far more than millions that I speak to at once. But people come up to me all the time, they're like, how in the world can you work with teenagers? How do you deal with lock-ins? I don't. How do you deal with lock-ins? How do you deal with teenage drama? How do you deal with music drama? How do you deal with kids fighting with one another how do you deal with kids gossiping at one about one another how do you deal with moms and dads who may seem like helicopter parents who are constantly hovering over their kids thinking that they're perfect but in reality they're not because everyone else knows they're not perfect how do you deal with that is it worth it is it worth all the sleepless nights at camp cowan is it worth going to nashville on a mission trip to just spend time sleeping on the floor or fighting for the shower upstairs <laughs> like is it worth it I'm. I'm like. Are you you seriously going to ask me? Is it worth it? Let me tell you why it's worth it. Prime example. I love every one of you. I'm going to give you one example. Remember, y'all. Remember, Max Bennett graduated last year. Max has one of my favorite moments in my life. I'm preaching on Sunday morning. In middle of, and I'm talking about why we're supposed to invest in the next generation. I'm talking about why we're supposed to invest in you guys, why you guys are worth it. And while I'm speaking, I'm noticing that Max is moving over here. Excuse me, I'll do this to make a little more sense. Over here, downstairs, and he's talking to Tony, and he and Tony walk out. And he comes back in. After I finish, I come down off the stage, and Tony says, Hey, Max wants to get baptized. I was like, what? I thought he was already baptized. He said, he has been, but he knows he's getting ready to go to college and he wants to make it a statement of his faith to say, I'm going to be this in college. One of the biggest joys of my ministry, seven years, was watching that happen and being able to baptize Max that day. And I'm not boasting just on him because I would boast on every single one of you. In that moment, I'm like, every single headache, every single lock-in, every single thing, every single negative, every single thing of bickering, every little bit of drama... It is all worth it right here. He was worth it to me. How much worth do you have? We sang a song earlier, and I'll be honest, that that wasn't planned. Um, God did it, not me. So originally, because of cancellations, because we had to cancel three weeks and we had the Super Bowl, my sermon schedule has been all messed up. We were supposed to start a new series tonight called Boundless Love. So Becky put in the planning center, these sheets, she put reckless love, right? And I get on there, like right before they were practicing, I changed the title of the sermon and gave them printed off, whatever. Didn't even really think about it. Do you realize what reckless love is about? How much you guys are worth? How much I am worth? How much all of us are worth? We just sang that song, but we also just sang that none of us have earned it, none of us deserve it, right? What are we worth? We're going to look at Luke chapter 15, two stories about how we are worth it to God and how this world that we live in is worth it. Many of you all know these stories. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 1, it says, now the tax collectors and sinners, I like how they put tax collectors and sinners in the same sentence, those of you who do tax season, you are not a sinner, you are a blessing to us all. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. These people who were wretched, these people who were considered evil people in the world, were coming to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven when one, say one, one sinner who repents than, than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Keep going. Now the parable of the lost coin. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over what? One sinner who repents. Now, if you had a hundred sheep, you lost one, I'll be honest, in most cases, that's probably a success, right? If you have 100 of them, you only lose one, you're probably doing pretty good. This guy, the shepherd, goes out searching. He searched tirelessly. He searched recklessly, as we sang about earlier, looking for that one sheep. Meanwhile, this woman who has 10 coins, 10 coins would not do very much. Only 10 pieces of silver, that's not very much money. She loses one. That means it's valuable to her. She needs to find it, so she turns on the light, starts sweeping the road. She starts flipping the house over, looking for one coin. How many of you all have ever lost something valuable? Anybody? I know Joe did the other night. At daddy-daughter dance, he lost Paige. That's enough of a story. <laughs> no, seriously, those of you who have lost something valuable, do you just go, oh, well, move on. What is, like, the most valuable thing to you guys that you have, possession-wise? Just throw it out there. Yell it out. Anything. Huh? Your wallet. Car, okay. All those things: your wallet, your car. Some, I think I heard phone. If you all those things, if you lost those things, you just get oh well. Now, uh, get another one. Let's go get another car. Let's go get another wallet that has all my money and all my debit cards and all my credit cards and my license and my ID, and my birth certificate, all, blah, 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 all that in there. You don't put your birth certificate in there. Don't do it. Voter's registration. All those different things, right? You're going to go search tirelessly for your wallet. You're going to go search tirelessly for your car. You're going to do it. Why? Because you value them, right? You value them. And you're placing value on those items by searching for it. The shepherd goes out looking for the sheep, just the one. And he brings it back. And it says he carried it back. And when he brought it back, he brought all of his friends together. And they rejoiced and had a party for one Sheep. And meanwhile, the woman finds the one coin, and it was so valuable to her when she found the one coin. She brought all of her friends together, and they had a giant party for a coin. Was it worth looking for the one sheep to this guy? Yes. Was it worth looking for the one coin for this woman? Yes. So, your first blank, is it worth it? Put it up there, Katie. Yes. Every single person is worth it. Every single life is worth it. Every single injustice that we look through, every single fight, every single effort is all worth it. You know why? Number one, why is it worth it? Jesus is worth it. And if Jesus is worth it, number two, eternity with Jesus is worth it. And if eternity with Jesus is worth it, guess what? You want to know how much you guys are worth? Let's put it out there. Number three, you and I are worth Jesus to God. You might just think, I don't have worth. I don't have value. My my friends don't like me. My mom and dad are having problems and they don't like me either. I don't know how much I am worth. God looks upon you and says, you know what? I'll tell you how much you're worth. They read it earlier, Psalm 139. You were made together in your mother's womb. God looked upon you before you were even formed and knitted you together and he put a value on you, and that value is worth his son, Jesus Christ. Let's put up, can we put up the lyrics of Reckless Love for us? I'm going to go through those real quick. Look how much you're worth. Before I spoke a word, when God was knitting you together in your mother's womb, he was singing over you, planning your life, putting your life together, putting out your future, and he says, you have been so good to me, even before you were born. And before I took a breath, you breathed your life into me. God spoke his life into you. Not only is that, if you accept Jesus Christ, he speaks his spirit. The word spirit and breath actually mean the same thing in the Hebrew. He breathed his life into you. Keep going. It chases you down, fights till you're found, and leaves the 99, the 99 sheep. The word reckless, you really understand what reckless means? The next story in chapter 15 is the story of the prodigal son. The word prodigal means extravagantly wasteful. Everyone says the prodigal son because he was extravagantly wasteful with his inheritance, but the real story is actually about the the prodigal God who is extravagantly wasteful with his love. That God looks upon every single one of you and he's reckless with your love, even when you don't earn it, even when you don't deserve it. Look at that. He still gave himself away. He's pouring all of his love out on you. And guess what? He's going to keep doing it even if you don't return it. No matter where you are in your life, no matter how far out in what distant country you are like the prodigal son, he still views you as worth, worthy of it. Even though you don't earn it, even though you don't deserve it, he still gives yourself away. Keep going. The never-ending reckless love of God. Go on to the next verse. When I was your foe, what is foe? Your enemy. When I was your enemy, still your love fought, not against me, for me. You've been so good to me. When I felt no worth. When I felt no worth, you paid it all. Does that say all? All for me. You have been so kind to me. Every single person is worth it. Because he knits every single person together in their mother's womb. And he looks upon every single one of you and says, You want to know how much you're worth? You're worth my son to me. I'm going to give him for you. See, so if you ever doubt your worth, if you ever doubt your self-value, it's most likely because you don't understand who God is. Because this world will tell you what you're worth. This world will tell you how much you're valued. The world even told Jesus how much he was valued. Zach McCrae's going speak about this in a few weeks. The world said Jesus was only valued at 30 pieces of silver. That's all he was worth to the world. And the world tells us all the time what we're worth. It tells us how much we mean to this world. But it says, because Jesus is worth it, because eternity with him is worth it, and because you and I are worth Jesus to him. He's going to go down every single road, every single path, no matter how far away you guys go in your life. Jesus will always be one step right behind you, pursuing you until you either agree to let him into your life or until you agree to acknowledge that he's been there the entire time right? I want to read a story to you. This, entire, this will summarize the entire thing we've been doing these last couple of weeks, and we'll finish with this. This idea is, is it worth it? Is the fight worth it? Is our missions worth it? Is everything that we do, is the $519 that we sent, is that all worth it? This is one of my favorite stories. If you ever have a chance to read this book called Crazy Love, I highly recommend this book. It's a great, easy read for all you all who can probably read better than I can. Listen to this. This woman's name is Rachel Saint. I love this woman. She's awesome. Says, Rachel was born in 1914 in Pennsylvania, the only daughter among eight children. God bless that family. Her father was, stain- was stained glass artist, and their family often had very little food growing up. When Rachel was 18, a kind, wealthy, elderly woman took Rachel on a trip to Europe and offered her to make, her, make Rachel her heiress if she would be her companion for the rest of her life. While Rachel... Contemplated it, she knew she couldn't accept the offer of a comfortable life spent sipping tea and conversing. <clears throat> After twelve years of working at a halfway house for alcoholics, Rachel enrolled in lingu- linguis- I can say that. linguistics. There we go. School. It became a missionary at Wycliffe Bible Translators in South America. She spent work- She spent several years working with the local Indian tribes of Peru, but ultimately, she knew she was called to work with the Waorani Indians of Ecuador who were notorious for spearing to death. Spearing to death. Any outsiders immediately upon contact. Eventually, Rachel was introduced to a woman named Dayume, who agreed to teach Rachel the language of her people. For years, Rachel studied the language and witnessed to Dayume about Jesus Christ, as she waited patiently for the opportunity to go visit the Wairarani people without being killed. Rachel's own brother, Nate, a pilot from Mission Aviation Fellowship, had been killed by the people when they attacked him and four other missionaries. They killed five people when they went to share the gospel with them. This only sharpened, listen to that, this only sharpened Rachel's desire to tell these people about the love of Christ. Why? Because it was, what? Worth it. After many years, Rachel finally went to meet and live with our Waorani people. She lived with them for 20 years. Over time, their culture of revenge and murder was transformed by hearing what they called God's carvings, also known as the words of the Bible. These people became her family. They gave Rachel the Waorani name Nimu, which means star. Rachel eventually translated the New Testament into their language. And today, listen to this, she is now buried with her people in Ecuador at her funeral a while Ronnie Friend said, she called us brothers, she told us how to believe, now she's in heaven. God is building a house for all of us, and that's where we'll all see Nemu again. Was it worth it? Was it worth risking her life? Was it worth losing her brother? She also lost her husband. Was it worth all that loss? Yes. You know why? Because it all started with One. Started with Dayume, then it started and it started to trickle, and then it started to expand. And next thing you know, the entire village were all believers in Jesus Christ. And as it said, they were all at her funeral, lifting up songs of praise, knowing that they would see her again. And I think she would stay before God. If God says, Hey, was it worth it? She'd probably go, Heck yeah. It's worth every bit. You know wanna know why? Luke fifteen, if one soul rejoices, or if one soul repents, all of what? Heaven rejoices. So all those stories that we talk about in justice, if we could even just impact one, it is all what? Worth it. You guys are worth it. This world is worth it. And eternity with Jesus is worth it.